The podcast you are listening to of Holmberg's Morning Sickness is brought to you by my friends at Eric's Family Barbecue in Avondale. Meet, mesquite, repeat. Trust me on this one. You've had barbecue before, but you haven't had it this good. Eric's Family Barbecue in Avondale. Eric'sFamilyBBQ.com. There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. You've been deceived by an agent of Satan himself. He's evil. Sitting right here. Come on. No, no, he's not. He's not evil. He's just a bit rude. Good morning, everybody. Hello there. Welcome to Monday. It is the morning sickness. My name is John. There's Brady. There's Brett. And there's Big Dick Toledo. And off we go for this uh, glorious day of uh, everybody making some sort of big deal about the difference between 98 and 102 degrees. I don't understand it. That people talking about how they can't go outside. And it's a panic. Over 100. No, yep, yep, yep. That was going to happen. It was inevitable. You guys knew that. Like the sun coming up every morning. It's going to be hot out. But there was like news stories about, well, you've got to stay inside. And it was 99 yesterday. 102 the day after. Yeah, I know. But there's a... That's huge. So when it's 87 and 90, we make this big a deal? Three degrees. Everybody... Basically, it's that time of year where you tell everyone to uh, basically shut the f*** up about 100 degrees. We knew this. Everybody acts surprised every year. It's not a thing. So congratulations. Hope you had it. Now, one thing I won't do, uh, Brett, and you can have at it and tell Josh and the guys from Action Ride Shop. uh, They can also, I love those guys. They can f*** themselves, too, if they ever want to go riding for the next three weeks. I ain't doing it. (laughs) Saturday morning, I took a little ride, and all I heard was... Bees, my biggest fear. They're there. And they tried to kill some lady Got yesterday. 75, 75 times. times she yeah. stuffed her kids in a car, swarming. If you watch the uh, golf tournament a little bit this weekend, they had to stop down there in Mexico. Similar climate. Those guys all hit the deck. Of course they did. The world stopped. It. The commentators thought it was hilarious. Cause it, well, yeah, because they were in, inside. They were in little booths. The... Uh, the giant cloud that just looked like weather came over, and it was bees everywhere. It's horrifying when you're. If you've ever been near a swarm, it is the worst feeling in the world. You just—it's unpredictable. You're out of control. They can do whatever they want. And my biggest fear is nostrils and ears. Hey, the, the mouth thing—you have power to spit. But they always say, "Cover your face and run in a straight line." Well, if I'm covering my face. I'm running in any line I can find. It doesn't. It's not like I, I'm going to run right into a pole. So your eyeballs, they get stung in the eyeballs, and your nostrils get covered. And, we hit ugh. one uh, in my car. Uh, a swarm? Just, yeah. The also, worst. Just, yep. What was that? The real scary ones are when it gets dark. Like they blot out the sun for a second. And I've had that on the bike trail. And I, I wasn't close enough to it, but I could hear it. And suddenly there was a dark shadow, and I looked to my right, and I'm like, oh, God. They were just, uh, they were coming up out of this gulch. And I'm like, uh, and they were on the move. Like, all of them have decided we must take the queen somewhere else. I don't know what they were doing. But How about when they, Millions uh, of them, yeah. They finally camp out in a tree, and you go by. Oh, no. It's, well, that's, I've had it in my backyard where there's a hive, and that's nothing. A swarm is like 40 hives. I don't know where they come from. They're, it's the, it is, 
tight it would, pattern. It would cover the one I saw would cover our entire parking lot from the ground to the second floor. Oh man! And I mean, you'd never see anything like it—just black. And it was a few hundred yards away, but it was loud like a freight train. So now's the t- that's what I'm afraid of. Now is the time of year where those unpredictable bees will do that. And if they're Africanized. Remember that lady a few years ago? Hey, I don't. I don't care if they're black or white. Really. I'm, I'm like Michael Jackson. It don't matter if they're black or white. They all got stinger. Uh, the the one that that lady had her windows rolled down at a stoplight a few years ago is the scariest one of all. Just sitting out there in Scottsdale, and some construction guy accidentally knocked down a a hive or two or whatever he was doing, and they just went, "Let's kill that lady in the car," and they just attacked her. So bees, bees are right out for me. I would rather like. That's one of those weird things, like when they say, how would you like to die? And everybody's like, I'd like to die peacefully in my sleep. Of course you would. How would you like, like, what's your worst fear of dying? Bees are up there. Bees and fire are like, like interchangeable parts at one and two. Croc would be pretty brutal. Yeah, but you're at least at half. You got to go, you're not going to survive it. It, it. It's probably your body kicks in with... You know, it's that death Let's by, go to shock. I death by a thousand true. paper cuts is a lot worse than one blunt trauma. Like, I, I would rather have one thing just go honk and cut me in half than I would, uh, you know, like a hundred million little tiny things going zip, 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 zip. Oh, it's the worst. So bees horrify me. Yeah, there's, well, sure, buddy, there's plenty of ways I can get eaten by something and that wouldn't be pleasant. Nobody's saying one's pleasant. Quicksand would suck. Quicksand. Yeah, those kind of things just, where you're like, this is going to take forever. Mm-hmm. And we're talking Gilligan's Island quicksand. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. not that weird quicksand that I see that, like, what happened to quicksand in the world of comedy? Used to use it every week. Like another another group of people getting stuck in quicksand. I remember on Laverne and Shirley for some reason they went to the La Brea tar pits and sort of they got into some quicksand. No, but it was like the same joke. They were just somebody was trapped in something they couldn't get out of in the tar pits and that and banana peels are making the comeback. Banana peels in the face. I've said know. that for yep, years. Yep. Comedy's lost its way, and soon it'll be rakes and pies and quicksand. Quicksand might be coming back. Man, it was a Sherwood Schwartz guarantee. Didn't one of the Bradys get stuck in quicksand? Like there was, it was almost a necessity in sitcoms in the seventies that quicksand showed up. Probably they went to Hawaii. Yeah, probably one the of them. Tiki got and all that stuff. In, yeah, well, that idol. I tell you what, I still have dreams. <laughs> but yeah, so the bees are out there and they attack some lady and she stuffed her kids in a car. And the only thing that I enjoyed about that was, uh, and hey, look, I'm not saying anybody deserves to get attacked by a swarm of bees, but if you are out with your kids on a Saturday afternoon doing photo shoots. I kind of root for you to get f- up by a bunch of bees. I just, I just, uh, the photo shoot family. Ugh. Saw a lot. I uh, saw two or three this weekend. People are way too into into themselves. To, like people want to see photos of them all the time. Nobody wants to see photos of you, I, especially your kids. Yeah, you, they just make fun of them. They just go through your Facebook page and make fun. Of you got a ring light out in the middle of the day, and you're. You and your ugly kids are standing in front of some sign you found that you had nothing to do with building. It's all just, just an egocentric, weird nightmare to have. And I love when people dress up and everybody's dressed the same in the photo, like they're some sort of a, you know, a family band that they're about to hit the road. The DeFrancos. Yeah, it's just it, yeah, it's just the weirdest. So in a way, you know, your activities, you going out in the desert to take family photos and sprawl, you know, Caden and Jaden and and uh, Maddie, Braden. Maddie and other Braden and Maddie, Maddie Jr., Maddie the third, and you want to just have them all on the ground while you stand behind them in some elegant gown. That kind of rude for you to get stung by a bunch of bees. 
That and taking pictures of your food. If, if bees were, like, maybe bees are looking around going, what's wrong with these arrogant assholes? Let's get a few of them. If bees could hang around restaurants and the second somebody whips their iPhone out and starts to take a picture of their eggs and a bunch of bees just attacked them, I'd be like, good. Nice job, bees. But they're unpredictable. Photo people. There was a guy on the bike thing. Every five minutes was stopping, selfieing. Like, enough. You're alone, for God's sakes. I mean, how many pictures of you do you need? Out here busting my ass. I'm kicking ass, everybody, and you're not. Tell Josh to keep riding. Yeah. Let's go, Bob. <laughs> yeah, unless it's for, yeah, unless it's for like, promotional purposes. Yeah. Or you're actually going to make some money off of it. I don't get it. I, I'm, I'm lost on this world. Arizona's most funniest morning show. Yeah, exactly. Morning sickness. I'm listening because I want to. Morning Holmberg's morning sickness. Uh, and then, of course, we had our weekend of uh, sports. And people will talk about the Suns a little bit. Uh, but if you were a, a sports fan this weekend, we had football, we had uh, baseball, basketball, and hockey all weekend long. All of it. You turned on any of your favorite sports-related channels, you were going to find a sport of choice. You had the draft, which was outstanding. And Cardinal fans, you can rejoice in the fact that this wasn't sexy, but it was purposeful and future. Uh, it was looking forward. It was uh, They did the right thing by saying, hey, let's look down the road at making a better team rather than just acting like we're a player or two away. Good job by the new GM. And it's time that we, I guess it's just really a relief for Cardinal fans and people who live here to see that the general manager wasn't a drunken boob like the last one has been since day one. Uh, and uh, that they seem to actually kind of get something going. That was pretty impressive. Well done. Although, the drunken boob showed up. I don't know if anybody saw that. He did. Steve Kime went on some podcast after all that's happened and had the nerve to start acting like he knows what he's doing as a GM. And he's like, uh, yeah, Cardinals made a nice move there, got themselves an offensive lineman. That should keep their little quarterback happy. Like, you drafted the <laughs> guy, you jerk. That's your legacy, you idiot. He started to make fun of Kyler like he had nothing to do with it. That was your choice. You absolute, dumb as a thumb, stick in the mud piece of No, it wasn't. There's yes. no way he remembers that. Well, he doesn't remember. That's why he said little quarterback. <laughs> Couldn't remember Kyler's name. He was too drunk. There's no possible way you can be that dumb to sit and make fun of your biggest failure as a general manager, you had the number one. Yeah, the year after you blew the team up in the first place by hiring a coach you ended up firing in a year, drafting Josh Rosen, you dumb and then going, well, now we're the worst team in football thanks to all the moves I've made, and we get the number one pick, and I got to keep my job. And you draft Kyler Murray and ruin him with a bad coaching choice. I mean, ruin him. And then go on a podcast and act like it was Kyler's fault. You dumb Steve Kime. That's what I'll say to you. Shh. Was he calling? Shut up and go back to rehab. Was he calling from rehab or the party yeah. bus? I, I don't know if he, he zoomed in from rehab. I don't know if he zoomed in from a bar where he was harassing someone. He was I don't on know. a burner phone. <laughs> most most certainly on a burner phone. That was how he's getting his connections. But man, the nerve of that dude to go out and even take a subtle little shot. What a piece of shit he turns out to be. And again, not to brag. But you heard it here first. I've been saying he's a piece of for years, and everybody's like, oh, you got to be nice to him. No, I don't. You know, at all. Yeah, it was pretty great, though. Cardinals, I, credit where credit's due, and the Cardinals did a uh, 
He's the nice only thing. Good job. Heat that the coach, head coach, is getting his a couple of uh, journalists were crying that he did not speak to anybody after oh, the, the draft. The coach? For three days. That's fine. It's, in the 12 drafts that I've covered, right. this has never happened. Good. Good. You're, you're not owed anything. Wow. He didn't cry about it, and he probably should have talked to the media. He probably should have said something. Yeah, most do. Almost but all I, of them I, do. I, the fans want to hear from it more than anything else. I spent hours this weekend watching assistant coaches talk about the Steelers' picks. I was watching Terrell Austin talk about Joey Porter and talk about uh, everybody that they picked up. Uh, even Trice, their seventh-round pick from Purdue. I'm like, I want to know about that guy. Watch those. You want to hear from the coaches. So they didn't. It's their choice. I'm sure you'll hear enough. But, yeah, this, that was a good move. Cardinals made, you know, unsexy, we're not ready for next year picks. Uh, we're building something. I, I Credit. First time I've been in my however many years the Cardinals have been here experience, I've always said their biggest mistake was they always thought they were one player away from being good. They always thought, ah, we're so close. And they've been close a couple of times, but for their 30-plus year existence here, most of the time they've needed to be forward-thinking. First time I've seen them do it. It was a great move. Good, they've been chasing. Chase drafts. I don't know what they've been doing. I don't know what like they, they know what they've been doing. Yeah, they, I don't know that they, they've always thought, ah, eh, we're a quarterback away, or we're one big, you know, impact player away. What they needed to do is what they did, draft linemen. And, you know, a couple of guys who are like, this guy can help our special teams. Unsexy picks. Good work, Cardinals. Nice job. And you had probably uh, the most under-the-radar Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson type event that happened yesterday. And nobody pays attention because it's so hard to follow hockey here because the Coyotes are so hard to watch. But the Boston Bruins, Game 7 yesterday, this team won 65 regular season games. They lost 12 times. Since October, they have lost 12 games. Ten days ago to yesterday, they lost four. They lost 25% of the games they lost all season in ten days to Florida, who was the best team in hockey last year. And it was an unbelievable overtime Goodbye, Boston. And I'll tell you, man, I'm not, I, I never pretend to be a guy who follows hockey through and through. It's just too hard to do. Like, you'd have to dedicate so much time and money to try to find a, you know, if, if the Coyotes were good, it would be easier. They're just not. So you got to watch good hockey. You got to find it. And it's a, it's a struggle. There's enough competition in sports that I don't need to go search for it. But watching a team from Boston fall from the top. I think it could be Hyalai or Domino's or whatever. Anything to see those fat Bostonian women swallow their hearts on TV is worth it. God, that was great yesterday. When Florida put that goal in and you just saw a crowd of Southies just so sad. Oh, just so sad and so ugly and... And just just wallowing in their own feces, realizing they have to go, they have to leave that arena now, and go back to their ugly little houses with their ugly little wives and their ugly little lives, and be Bostonians again was so satisfying. It there's it, since I don't think, over ten thousand Mark Wahlbergs. Oh, they, oh, they all. Tucked. I don't even want to go to Wahlbergers. <laughs> Straight home. <laughs> Get in the car. We don't got a car. Get in the cat, then. Oh, it was great. Just so sad. And it reminded me of the 18-0 Patriots losing to the Giants in the Super Bowl. And you're just like, this might be my favorite 
non-fan moment in sports history. Of I just and again, I think that hate is better in sports than love. You can get great satisfaction out of your team winning, but you get more satisfaction when your rival eats on TV or somebody. When the Patriots ate it on TV, there. I mean, I've, I've never experienced a more. I've watched the Steelers win several Super Bowls, been to a couple. And it's great. Nothing compared. Nothing compared to the Patriots eating live on on uh, eighteen and one is my favorite moment in football. Throw away the house money that I could retire on in Super Bowls with my Steelers. Throw it away. Nothing compares to watching the Patriots' perfect season go up in flames off of the greatest catch of of just the best things that could happen. I get so much more joy out of the the agony of defeat for someone else than I do the thrill of victory. It is so much better this way. So watching Boston fall again last night, now Boston's got the greatest football season of all time that amounted to nothing and the greatest hockey season of all time that amounted to nothing. If we get the Red Sox to win 121 games one year and then just pile a First round. Bostonian fat wangs right into their throats. Oh, my God. The Celtics have done it, but they've got so many. They, they Again, they're playing championship house money for life, too, because they've won so many. But just that greatest moment of all time, just like strutting it. You like, you, I don't think people realize losing 12 times. It's like, you know, when... That's uh, a hell of a season. When Golden State lost to Cleveland. And they had nine losses on the whole year, and they didn't win the championship. It's a failed year. They asked that of uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo last week. He's like, do you think the season's a failure? And he's like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. It's a huge failure when you're the number one seed. and you The Suns last year? Last year. Huge failure. Huge failure. Not an accomplishment, uh, not something to grow on. Massive, blown opportunity. So Bostonians, Bruins fans... I hate to kick you right in the gut, but <laughs> great stuff watching you guys cry. All this happened when they let Tommy go. Yeah, Tommy. So Tommy, we didn't lose championships when Tommy lived here. Goes yeah. to Tampa. Got to get bring Tommy back. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, I enjoy that a lot, a lot. And then the Kraken make Coyote fans feel bad because, what are they, four months old and they just won their first playoff series and they barely alive and greatest uniforms in hockey. You got Toledo walking in the building this morning. Go Kraken! He's a Seattle guy. He's jumping on. And people say jump got on the... Chinese jersey on, in the mail it'll, already? Yeah, it'll be a big kind of <laughs> oddly, oddly shaped S that maybe looks more like an R, but still. <laughs> big whoop. They have uh, you know, people like, oh, jump on the bandwagon. You don't have a choice. They weren't even a thing six months ago. Sports was incredible this weekend. Every second of the day, you could turn on TV and find something outstanding. Arizona's most funniest morning show. Yeah, exactly. Morning sickness. I'm listening because I want to. Morning somebody KUPD. Holmberg's morning sickness. And that leads us to the Suns on Friday. Now, this was a this was a catastrophe. And it was a DeAndre Ayton catastrophe. He is now an internet joke, which is funny. That was uh, the, the I, I guess I guess everyone heard me screaming in my house. He's just standing the f- out of bounds. He's not doing anything. And the next day, all over Twitter, I wasn't alone evidently in noticing that DeAndre Ayton spent a good portion of a few plays 
standing out of bounds. I'll post that on our Facebook Not page. Not participating. Oh. You want to get in Katie's way. Oh, I Let stop. Katie work. When people say, it wasn't in Katie's way. It was a <laughs> rebound on the Denver end. <laughs> I know. KD wasn't there. Tory Craig. Let him go to work. Tory Craig ripped the rebound out. Yes, on offense, he needs to move out and let KD go to work. When the ball is bouncing around on the rim, nobody's working. He stood where a seven-footer should stand, outside, away from the play, because you have no advantage. You can't help. (laughs) The the best thing you can do when uh, Nikola Jokic and Torrey Craig are fighting for a rebound is move. Torrey's only got a six-inch disadvantage to that situation. Let Torrey and and Nikola, it seems like they seem to be scrapping. And there were, if you read my texts... With my friend Chris that we go back and forth during the game. I'm like, how many times do I have to watch DeAndre Ayton stand on that Coinbase logo and watch the action happen and then realize, oh, yeah, you can see it that DeAndre Ayton goes, oh, right, the game. It happens eight, ten times a half where he's just standing in no man's land and then something sparks in his head to go, you better start playing. There's like four-second gaps where the guy becomes a spectator. It's ridiculous. He's now, a motor. Remember, he's well, a motor. He is, he's, he's a Tesla motor. And evidently, it's a red light, and his auto drive is like, we can't do anything. I can't even <laughs> hit the gas. This thing won't go. He is dominating the view of the front row because he's standing in front of other spectators. But he became an internet joke. And I don't know why everybody plays kid gloves. 14.7 rebounds is absolutely f- Awful from a center of his size and ability in a game where you've got to score. Uh, Joker had 13 and 14 in the first half, and it was a bad half for him. Now, granted, he's the MVP, but you drafted this idiot, number one, to build a franchise. About. Like, he was the cornerstone. And it's he your fault as well, terrible. John. I, I, I you, told you. you. I said, hey, look, and again, I stand by my logic. <laughs> Everyone's in. Nine times out of ten, a Seven-foot black man named DeAndre is your first choice over a six-foot, nine-inch, doughy, white, 19-year-old named Luca. I would, I would do it again today. If you, if you erased my memory and said, all right, first choice in uh, basketball, seven-foot uh, specimen of a human being, black guy named DeAndre, or that fat white guy over there, it looks a little bit, I'm like, he's 19, he's already fat. In three years, this kid's going to be a blob. That's big country, too. Give me DeAndre, the giant uh, African-American superstar. I was you wrong. You haven't learned from if there's a last name and it ends itch, you go oh, for that. Oh, always take a bitch. Got to take an yeah. itch or a bitch, yeah. Bogdanovich. But, it's, it's, but his is Donchich is not Bogdanovich. You take a bitch over an itch. Got the lines over the seas. You keep a gander on it. But you also look at him and go, fat at 19. I'm not picking that. And you can, you can, odds of getting burned were like so slim. Who knew? But DeAndre is, I mean, there are, I wasn't alone. I I, I have, you know, it's a cliche to say, oh, I I jumped off my couch. I quite literally got off my couch and shouted at the TV, what the f are you doing? Multiple times in that game against Denver because if they ever needed him to play, Full heart, full effort. It was Friday when Denver was unbeatable. Denver wasn't losing that game. So Suns fans, you can sit back and go, oh, the Suns should have done this, the Suns should have done that. So they weren't going to lose. Jamal Murray was having a Michael Jordan night. They weren't going to lose. Tonight, 
They better get it together. And I hope to God somebody on that Sun staff has the brain to say, we're going to plop DeAndre on the bench because we don't have much of a bench, and we're going to start busy in his attitude. And maybe he'll have six fouls in the first four minutes and no points, which is very possible. Hide his weed. But, oh, no. Yeah, then he'll just be a baby. I don't know what. You just can't do anything with this. At five and a half years, you just learned he's nothing. But busy get out there and, like, give you a little attitude at least, maybe bang into these guys a little bit, and then bring DeAndre off the bench for his 14 points and seven rebounds. Take something from him that where he can't sit in front of the press and act like everything's going great. Bench him in the playoffs. I know it sounds radical and knee-jerk, but so's Monty's rotation, so it doesn't matter. We got no bench? Build a bench. Start it with that big, giant nothing. And maybe it'll motivate him to go out and go, I gotta, I'm not playing. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I don't know if you can embarrass him. He doesn't seem to, ah, uh, he doesn't seem to get it. They removed that tweet. They did? Yeah. I've got it. I'll send it right to you. Uh, well, I, the link you sent yesterday is no good. Oh, it is? Yeah. That is gone? Yep. That doesn't seem fair. Try it again, but. Yeah, I will. But yeah, there, and that was one of probably, that was the last time I screamed. And then I'm texting my buddy Chris. I'm like, did you see him just standing out of bounds while Joker and Tory Craig battled over, uh, you know, a rebound? And I mean, it was going up and coming back, and there were three or four tips, and they were fighting. Tory pulled it down. Tory got it. It was like a seven or eight second clip that he's just standing there. Just standing there. I mean, like missing. And that moment where he realizes, oh, God, I, I could be helping. It was too late. He is a liability. Uh, there are certain times when you just have to do something about DeAndre. But, yeah, I still stand by the fact Friday night, doesn't matter if DeAndre was playing. In fact, he wasn't, didn't help uh, or not. Denver was going to win that game. And, and Denver is just a really quality team. Tonight, the Suns have to show up. This is what, And they may not win tonight. Because it's supposed to go 2-0 Denver right off the bat. And you may not win this, but you have to compete. They weren't competitive Friday. One quarter, they looked good, but you could sense it. They shot 70% in the first quarter, and they were up one. I remember I, I was texting my buddy, same guy, and I'm like, look, that's not a good sign. If I was on the other side of this, I'd feel great. Like if you said, oh, the Suns, uh, you know, the Nuggets shot 70% and they're leading by one. They're not keeping that pace. We're going to whip their ass. That's yeah. exactly what happened. So tonight's the night. Booker, KD, can't ask for much more from them. But, man, you need something out of that giant loaf. And the whole city was shouting Friday. Oh, man. I haven't punted on a game in a long time, but I was awfully close in the fourth quarter to go, well, what else is on? But I sat through the whole goddamn thing. We're going to talk to Kevin Ray this morning at 830. Uh, Suns announcer to try to calm down the Suns fans. I did have an awful lot of friends who thought the Suns lost and they were mad at the Suns. There's a certain time when you just tip your cap to the opponent and go, "That's that was a better team tonight in a big way. There uh, had to be an uptick of sales the next day for TVs. There had to oh, because throwing stuff? Yeah. yeah. Between what happened, if you're a Suns and Bruins fan this weekend, you ruined a lot of electronics. <laughs> I, I, and probably got beat by your giant, fat Bostonian wife. They always say domestic violence is a problem after sports, but in Boston, it's usually the guy that takes the brunt of it because that fat, ugly woman of his with that horrible accent hitting him with phone books and ugly tchotchkes that rest on doilies because they, they usually live in their dead parents' home and they never redecorate. That's Bostonian up and down. You go to like a 28-year-old Bostonian's house and you're like, all this stuff looks so old. 
You got it when your mom and dad died, didn't There's you? at least <laughs> 600 tweed couches on yeah, the curb yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, chucked in half, yeah. You broke all your grandma and mother's uh, hommels. All those weird old wooden picture frames that you've replaced, you know, pictures of you with, with pictures of your baby. The wallpaper. Throw it at the car! The old, the old ugly wallpaper is still there, but now it's blood-soaked. And it's traditionally blood-soaked. Your father, his father before him, all of them have blood all over there from the big, fat, ugly Bostonian wives beating them. Oh, Boston. What a gross town. The Tucson of the Northeast. <laughs> Just a hideous beast of a town. With a hideous beast of a clientele. The women there are gross. You watch Cheers? You know the why Freedom Trail was quiet. You know why Cheers is one of the greatest shows of all time? It was... It was based in Boston, and only one person in that bar that was there every week had the accent, and they made him the biggest asshole in the bar. Cliff Clavin <laughs> was the most annoying human being in the world because even people writing the show were like, eh, it's in Boston. Should we have more Bostonians? And we're like, no. Make the one we've got intolerable. Oh, yeah, that'll resonate with everyone, and it did. It's the greatest TV show ever because it was so perfectly cast. Perfect. He was worse than even Carla. They made her a New Yorker, which is even better. The Dominating video is posted now it on is, our Facebook yeah. page. So Dominate. You guys haven't seen it. Yeah, we'll talk, though, about that because everybody needs to get off the ledge. It's a seven-game series. I don't think anybody saw this thing going, you know, sun, 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 suns. I didn't, I, it was going to be uh, an erratic mess. And tonight, the Suns can prove their value or walk out there and Denver will show them, hey, we're the number one seed for a reason and... And kick the crap out of them. All I can tell Suns fans is, remember last year when the first two games, the Suns just beat the f*** out of Dallas? And they'd beaten them 15 straight games, and you walked into Dallas thinking, this is easy. We've got this. We'll probably win this in five. Maybe six. Might steal two. But this game, this series with Dallas is over. And Dallas said, no, it's not. And not only that, we figured you out. And then beat them by 40 twice. That's very possible in a, in a round two series. It's all about adjustments and everything else. So everybody who's ready Money's to jump Money's due up. for something like that. And this, hey, look, that guy's on a little bit of a, what's going on with you? Like, Monty is, Monty's had the this golden... Gotta, these, this is where it's got to happen. The golden glow has been on him for a couple of years. And last year was like, all right, maybe through adversity you're not that great a coach. This playoff series, season, whatever he's got going on, they're trying to make excuses for him because the team hasn't played together very much and their bench is nothing. And it, this rotation might be a bigger problem than the bench is nothing. Landry Shamit for 20 minutes again? Why? Anyway, I'll scream at my TV at home tonight, but I'm getting a little bit out of my system now. And I'm saying everything you guys are saying. My emails, my texts, everything explodes. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go through my emails this morning and see Friday night's texts will all be like, this guy f- sucks! And I'll just be I'll just out of the blue, somebody yelling at me about what they're seeing. But we all take a breath. Reassess. You got your ass kicked Friday. It's There's a lot of rounds in this fight. You're not out yet. You don't get knocked out in one game. So come back. Fight round two a little stronger. It's a seven-round fight if you make it right. So you try to, you know, show Denver that, yes, you had a good night. Tonight we can do the same. Booker needs to play better. KD was ridiculously good. So we'll see. But Suns fever is everywhere, and I'm part of it. And I'm going to throw up all over the place if that happens again. But Jamal Murray did this in the bubble a couple of years ago. And if he stays that hot, then just say, you know what, Denver's the better team and walk away. But DeAndre Ayton has played himself right out of town. There is no way 
that the second the Sun season ends without a championship, where that phone is not being just utilized to trade his big, worthless, dominating ass somewhere else. He's promoting his clothing line more than he is. I mean, dominating. I swear to God, if I see anyone wearing dominating gear, I might go fully just crazy and run you down with my car. I mean, if you... Happy oh. birthday, bro. Later this summer. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, as a joke gift. As a joke gift, hilarious. If I ever wear it, run me over with your car. You see me walking around wearing dominating clothes, giving that idiot my time. No. Run me the f*** down. Or, you know, and you know, the, the problem will be is it'll be easy to run me over because if I'm anything like him, I'll be standing in the road doing nothing. Just be like, I'll, I'll be asking for it. There goes another dominator. <laughs> There's another guy. <laughs> Who is he wearing a dominating jersey? Yeah, he's standing in the road. He just got trucked. He, he didn't know what he was doing. Just standing in the middle of nowhere, looking around like, where's the ice cream? Idiot. The frustrations mount. That's what the playoffs do. Oh, baby. Uh, it's 6-16. We'll talk to K. Ray, the other voice of the Phoenix Suns, and uh, have him try to calm us all down. Although I will say through text with Kevin, he's nowhere near as uh, rosy as uh, you'd think he would be. Or like he, He'll play the broadcaster card this morning and be like, everybody calm down. And, oh. and Kevin is like, what the f*** is going on with that idiot? But he's not going to play that game. Maybe it was me screaming that to him and him saying, I know, I know. But I, I heard it. His, he, I heard his frustration, too. He threw at least three jugs of Nutrigenics at that TV. Oh, yeah. No, he and Frank Thomas were wrestling the TV off the wall. And she liked it, too. <laughs> uh, give us the wake-up song. It's a reset day. Now, we've got it all out of our system for Friday. A game the Suns weren't going to win anyway. Tonight's the night. We try again. 585-9800. That's the phone number. Grumpy Bitter Phoenix. And we'll be all right. We'll scream it together. It's 98 KUPD. Wake up! Hey, it's not weird. It's pretty cool, actually. No membership fee. I have heard enough of this. You've been listening to Holmberg's Morning Sickness Podcast, brought to you by our friends at Eric's Family Barbecue in Avondale. Meet, mesquite, repeat. Eric'sFamilyBBQ.com.